0: In my I'm finding the quietest these days. brewing that the focus remains the focal point of my Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chitam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is a very special one here. It is the five-year anniversary of the first Rambling Runner podcast episode. That's right, the birth of Rambling Runner. Happy birthday, five years old. It feels great. So this podcast is coming out on July 11th, which is the exact same day as the first Rambling Runner podcast. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited to talk about this because I get a lot of messages about how to start something, whether it's a podcast or a lot of things in running media. But I think ultimately, some of the things that I've learned creating this show um, and that Many of the things I've done have not been successful. Let me just throw that out there right now. It's like this has turned into a full time job. And wow, what a blessing. I never thought that would be the case. And I'll talk about that in a second. But there have been plenty of missteps and plenty of things that didn't work. And ultimately, that's totally fine, too. But it's uh, I get questions about this all the time. And I thought, what better way to talk about some of the things that I learned on this journey to help you. Maybe create something of your own, whether it's in the running media space or any other space. And these are lessons that I still think about today as I'm planning out new ventures. (laughs) Hint, hint, some things to come in the mix, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the Rambling Runner podcast and some tangents for Road to the Trials, which we've had two seasons of Road to the Trials, and they were a lot of fun too. But plenty of things I learned from this show and that show have kind of come together to create something that I never thought in a million years that my primary income would come from podcasting. Absolutely never. And yet, here we are. And it's just awesome. It really is the highlight of my life. And it's just so much fun. So five years ago today, what happened? How did this start? It's really Very simple. I was working at Providence College at the time. I was a major gift fundraiser. It was a job I enjoyed. I had a really good friend who was the head of the marketing department. And after me haranguing him time and time again, that they should create basically the first college podcast because they were already interviewing so many people for the alumni magazine and the blog on the on the pc.edu website. I just kept telling them, hey, just record the interviews you're doing and put them out as a podcast. And About six months after me continuing to do that, he said, hey, we're starting our own podcast. We got all the equipment. And this was when you needed a lot of equipment to start a podcast. There was a technological hurdle to start one. And I said, hey, man, that's great. Congratulations. And he said, well, there's one catch. You have to be the host. That was news to me. That was not at all what I was expecting, nor was it something that I wanted. I didn't even work in the marketing department. I had a completely separate job. But ultimately, we started that show, and we had an interview show that was weekly, and it's still going today. Uh, I'm not part of it. I don't work at Providence College anymore. But that's how I started in podcasting. And then, six months later, beginning of July, five years ago, uh, a company called Anchor which i had become aware of but through uh, Gary Vaynerchuk people may know Gary V he's kind of like a marketing maven i, I you know basically followed him on social media and listening to his podcast and he would talk occasionally about an app called Anchor that he thought was interesting and maybe people should check out and it was basically audio twitter so it basically sounded like you're listening to other people's voice messages and um now well, it wasn't a great app <laughs> It wasn't very good, but I had it on my phone and I was on their newsletter, I guess. Uh, but ultimately, I had forgotten the app had existed, frankly. It was just kind of like tucked away in one of the folders of my phone and got an email that morning that said, hey, Anchor is changing. I was like, oh, let's we'll see what's going on at Anchor. So. And Anchor is changing. We are now going away from the audio Twitter model or whatever they happen to call it at the time, and we are turning into a podcasting company, not just a podcasting company, a all-in-one podcasting space. All you need is a phone. If you have a phone, you don't need anything else, and we will disperse it to all the podcast platforms. It was really just a podcast in a box, and they were the first company to do it, Since then, they have taken off. They were acquired by Spotify for hundreds of millions of dollars. And really, they were the creator of basically podcasting for everybody. So if you want to get into podcasting, if you've never done it before, Anchor is the place to do it. And they still are today. Um, But basically, I got that email. And because I had some podcasting experience, I thought to myself, well, hey, maybe I could create one of these just on my own as a hobby. And that's exactly what I did. So uh, from a podcasting perspective, i from a podcast listening perspective, I should say, I listen to podcasts in all sporting genres for the most part. I love I love sports and I love listening to podcasts. Uh, uh-huh. From a running perspective, I was listening to a lot of podcasts like Lindsey Hines' podcasts, like Allie Fellers, like Tina Muir's and Kerry Tollefson, and they were all focusing on pro runners. And I loved all of them. And my thinking was, well, they don't need another podcast interviewing pro runners. We got all these other ones that are doing so well. Maybe I'll interview amateur runners, right? Because you had like the pro running podcast space, and you had the trail running podcast space. So Trail Runner Nation is a great example of that. So they interviewed plenty of amateur runners, but it was definitely it was 100% dedicated to the trail scene. There was no podcast at the time that I knew of, at least that was interviewing dedicated amateur road runners. So I was like, hey, I'll give that a try. Worst comes to worst. I talked to some really interesting people for 45 minutes to an hour. And even if no one ever listens to the show, I know that I will enjoy those conversations. So let's give it a try. So that was the whole beginning of the podcast. And I went into it just as a hobby. Okay. And this is... Step number one for me, this is the one that one of the the first thing that I'm going to mention. Okay, first plank in creating something um, new like this. Again, doesn't have to be media property, but anything. And that is start from a place of curiosity. Okay, for me, it was, hey, wouldn't it be interesting? That was the whole thesis of this for me. It was not, hey, I wonder if I could turn this into a job or, hey, I wonder if this could be, you know, a, a source of revenue for me or, hey, I wonder if this could, you know, do something for like, you know, like my my social life or, that's pretty random thing to say. But basically, there was no external ulterior motive. It was simply, hey, wouldn't this be interesting? And that was the great, a great spot to be because by starting in that space, there was no pressure on the launch of this. Okay. When I started Rambling Runner, I had absolutely no goals when it came to listenership, or anyone becoming a subscriber. And when I even had the goals that are the metrics that I did know about, so I, I was familiar with Providence College's podcast metrics because I was the host of the show. So Providence College has 50,000 alumni. We would publicize the show on the social media channels. So you say, wow, considering the, so the, the reach of Providence College alumni um, Providence College alumni social media channels, and the fact that alumni, you know, they're kind of like fish in a barrel when it comes to outreach, right? They're there, they're already interested. So, hey, that should be a pretty good space to to get new potential listeners. Well, the fact of the matter was, the podcast really only brought in like 100 to 200 downloads per episode. But I didn't know if that was good or bad. I just knew that's how many they brought in. So my thinking was when I started Rambling Runner was, hey, if I could get 100 downloads per episode, that would be amazing. And truth of the matter was, it took me a long time to even get to that. So it was, uh, it was, I started with a very modest, not goal, but just like a modest understanding of metrics. And even with that, I had no expectation of this turning in to anything. All it was, was, hey, this would be fun. Let's give it a try. No pressure. Okay. So fast forward Thanksgiving that year, uh, we're down in Dallas with my brother-in-law's family. And at Thanksgiving dinner, he looks over at me and says, hey, I've been listening to uh, your Rambling Runner show. And. I think it's pretty good. And I was surprised because Jimmy isn't a runner and uh, he doesn't follow running. And when I heard that, it was interesting because that weekend while we were down in Dallas, I had in my head officially, unofficially decided I was going to stop doing the podcast. That, you know, I'd done a couple dozen episodes and that's great. But ultimately, this just isn't for me. So I'm going to give it up. But when I heard that, I said, you know what? I gotta give this a try because if someone who doesn't like running can like this podcast, then maybe there's something here. So that was interesting for me, all right? And it was a great reminder of in the beginning that metrics don't matter, okay? This is a great example of like, hearing one person liking the show is not a metric point, right? That's just, that's an anecdote, all right? So step number two here, in the beginning, metrics don't matter. What matters is is that you're getting your reps, you're finding your form, you're finding your footing, and you're finding a deeper love and passion for the enterprise. A great example of this is like, if you have kids and they start in a new sport or they start in a, um, maybe they pick up the piano for the first time or pick up a musical instrument. In the beginning, it's not about, hey, how's their improvement, right? The most important thing in the beginning is that they're getting an appreciation for the new endeavor? That they that their love for the new endeavor is increasing, right? This is why really good coaches for youth sports or for um, you know young young folks who're picking up an instrument, the best coaches and teachers for those folks aren't the people that know the most. It's the people that can engage that person in the activity that raises their level of passion, love, and commitment for it, because by laying that foundation, it then everything else gets built on top of that. Okay, everything else in the beginning, the metrics and the signs of improvement from an external perspective simply don't matter. So do not get weighed down by that. Do not get weighed down of like, hey, I'm on my fifth episode, but here are my numbers. And how does it compare to your numbers at five episodes or this person's numbers at five episodes? Or what? what is like the linear path here? What can I extrapolate from my current growth trajectory? It's, it's five episodes, man. There's nothing you can extrapolate from anything at all, ever. It's too early. In the process. And just because something can be measured doesn't mean it's worth measuring or that it matters. Okay. Another key thing here with step with point number two, when I say in the beginning, metrics don't matter. The key point here is not just the second half of that sentence of does that the metrics don't matter. It's the it's the, the start of the sentence in the beginning, because ultimately, the beginning is a period of time that is a lot longer than you think it is, okay? For, say, the first six months when I had a podcast. And at that point, I'd say, I've been doing this for six months. This is no longer the beginning. But when I look back now, that absolutely was the beginning. I would call the first year and a half the beginning of the podcast, okay? So so we can't get lost in that. Where all of a sudden we've been doing something for, again, a couple weeks, a couple months. And at that point, it's become a habit. And we start to think, hey, now this is now that's become a habit. It's ingrained in my life. Now I'm no longer in the beginning. Well, it depends. What's your trajectory, right? If I'm going to be doing the podcast for 50 years, well, then you could say the first 10 years was the beginning, right? I might only be halfway through the beginning right now. That is that is a fact that could absolutely be true when I look back on this podcast, you know, when I'm 100 years old or something, okay? So don't underestimate. <laughs> how long the beginning actually may be. And also, please do not get stuck on metrics. Please, there may be, there there will be a time where metrics will have um, some level of importance. But even then, not all of them and not all the time, right? Your metrics uh, can be measured in a lot of different ways. They don't have to be measured daily or hourly or things like that. So remember, in the beginning, metrics don't matter, okay? One of the things for me, That was really helped me uh, along the way was learning from people in the industry, but not necessarily in my genre. Okay. So I was a podcaster at that point, right? So I'm I'm six months in, I had 8,000 downloads to the podcast after six months, which to put that in perspective is what I get after two days at this point. Okay. So uh, after six months, I had 8,000 downloads. And I was like, you know what? I want to. I want to step it up here. This has been fun. It's been interesting. But if I'm going to do this, let's really try to ramp it up a little bit and see if I can actually take this to the next level. Now that I have experience, I've been doing the at that point, I've been doing the Province College podcast for a year. So I was basically having getting a lot of reps in the podcast space, comparatively speaking, especially for people new to the space that because at that point, again, before Anchor, becoming a podcaster was really hard. Now with Anchor, it's kind of like blogging anyone can have a podcast, just like anyone could have a blog. So I was get, starting to get a lot of reps. and I was thinking, figure out, like, how can I do this better? Now, finding out what you can do better and learning from other people, I think it's important not to stick to your own genre, okay? Certainly learn from your own genre, but be understanding that there's plenty to learn outside of that, because there is so much information from different fields that can play a part into what we are doing. So I learned a ton, and I'll talk about this uh, next up as well, from Lindsay Hine, from Allison Feller, from Mario Fraioli, from Jason Fitzgerald, from Carrie Tollison, from Tina Muir. Absolutely. I learned from all of them. More than I could even say on this show. I harangue them all the time. and calling them constantly and sending them DMs and text messages and all of that. But at the same time... I'm learning from other podcasts as well, right? I love the Ryan Rossillo show. I love the Bill Simmons show. I love the Malcolm Gladwell. Who doesn't like Malcolm Gladwell's uh, podcast, right? There are so many things to learn from all of these podcasts, and they have, all have different positives that I really and truly enjoy. And at the same time, there's also aspects to that show or those shows that maybe I'm not the biggest fan of. And learning and understanding what some of those things can be and understanding that, hey, just because I may not be a fan of that aspect of the show doesn't mean I, I'm turning it off either. And that's another big thing, right? There's, um, there's, Maybe there's guests on, say, the Bill Simmons podcast, and I'm not the biggest fan of. But you know what? That's fine. I still subscribe. I still listen to 95% of the episodes and 95% of each episode. So just because I may not love every little thing about every single podcast does not change the fact that I'm not listening a lot. So learning from other people in and around your space is vitally important. In addition to that, learning from people who are outside of it. So for me, a big thing was learning how to ask questions and engage with people. Okay, so big thing for that is, hey, not make sure that you're not dominating the conversation. Making sure you're not cutting people off. Make sure you're giving people enough space to, um, to find their answer right? Maybe they're kind of rambling for a little bit because they're just not quite sure what they want to say, but they're coming around and they're starting to get it. And here comes the right answer. Or they just need some silence to to figure out exactly what they want to say. Another thing, especially with my show, was understanding that the vast majority of people that I talked to had never been interviewed before. So while they may bring a level of excitement, And anxiety that comes with doing something new that maybe a professional wouldn't, right? A professional runner might come on a show and hear that a question for like the ten thousandth time that they've already heard and it's hard for them to get pumped up and engaged about it. I would often have the opposite problem where getting people to talk really wasn't that difficult, but it was more making them feel comfortable so that they would do that and learning how to do that um, was interesting and learning from experienced interviewers um, how to you know, how to get people into that zone was vitally important is something that uh, hopefully I feel like I've gotten better at <laughs> over time uh, I I definitely know that I've gotten better at that over time uh, but it's definitely Things that I have to improve on, right? There's definitely room for growth as well. There's sometimes I slip; sometimes I'm not as good as I as I should be or have been in previous episodes. And part of that again is learning from other people, and not just within your genre. Another part of that, especially, is for for marketing purposes, right? So if you're starting a new venture and you're trying to figure out the best way to connect with potential audience members or doing that through, doing so on social media or maybe uh, through email marketing and things like that or newsletters, like learning, learning best practices in those fields can have absolutely nothing to do with your genre. And that's another important thing, right? Be- learning how to become a good writer, a good editor, good on social media, it might have I might not have to follow anybody in the running space to do that. Right. You can look at all sorts of things. Right. There's a lot of ways to gain uh, attention for an endeavor. Right. So I might not be the biggest fan of Barstool Sports, but I do on occasion engage with their social media, not engage with it, but like I'll, I'll you know, scan their social media presence because they built up Barstool Sports to rival ESPN from nothing. So how did they do that? Well, I'm not Barstool Sports and there's tar- parts about their business model that I absolutely dislike 100%. But there's also aspects from it that hey maybe if I learn from how they do X Y Z I can you know take that and you know overlay it onto something that I'm doing and maybe I can make that uh, a positive thing. So uh, that's an important important feature um, that hopefully I continue to do. And it's one of those things where you got to continue to do that uh, over time, not just as you're trying to get started, but also. In order to make sure that things don't get stale and stagnant and that, you know, you want to continue to grow. And not that growth is the, the number one thing or the most important thing, but, you know, if you can grow by learning from other people, then why not do so? All right. And right on the heels of that is connecting with your peers. Okay, and this has been absolutely enormous for me. I just touched on it briefly at the beginning of number three, but this has been huge for me. Okay, becoming friends with Allie Feller and Lindsey Hine and Mario and Jason and so many people in the podcast space has been absolutely vital to me. Okay, because this is a job where it is—it's a little bit of a lonely job. All right, it may not seem that way because my job entails talking to other people. For forty-five minutes to an hour, but for the vast majority of the day, I'm not sitting in an office. Okay, I'm working from home, not around other adults, and I'm in an industry that isn't a typical industry for the vast majority of people. Right? It's it's me, and you know, I got my, I got my, um, my producer, David Margetti, who is awesome, and he's producing every single show, and that's super, super helpful. But that's the team. Right. It's it's I'll record something. I'll upload it to Google Drive and he will do his his audio magic and then he'll upload the final version to Google Drive. And that's it. OK, so the fact that I don't have a team with me in any sense of the word is uh is a unique situation, but it's not unique for the other podcasters in this space. So. Connecting with these people has been vitally important, and doing so in a way that is not a "Hey, what can I get from this person?" It's connecting to them in a just in a friendship way, right? Or how can I give to them? Or just running ideas by them? Or hey, let's let's like brainstorm some things here. Um, and and these relationships um, have meant so much to me, and I have found even this week that sometimes they bear fruit in a way that you would never, ever expect um, years, you know, years before. And this has been a key thing for me. And, and it's been just so much fun getting to know people who I knew from afar. And now I can call a friend. And it's not just like, hey, I can call Lindsay Hine a friend. Isn't that cool? It's more of, hey, we're shooting ideas back and forth all the time. And we can have, you know, Frank conversations with each other and say, Hey, I don't think that's the best idea. Or maybe you try doing this, or do you try doing that and stuff like that. And that can be a really valuable experience for the same reason that people will join like a mastermind. The problem with joining a mastermind, not the problem, but you join a mastermind, obviously you have to pay for it, but that's okay. Cause it kind of locks people into doing it. But the problem with the mastermind sometimes is that people may not be in the same industry as you, which can be valuable for the reasons I just mentioned in step number three point number three, but sometimes it, can be valuable to talk to people who are engaging with the exact same problems, issues, challenges, hurdles that you're going through, and that's exactly why this has been important. In addition, you never know how those relationships will affect your life, right? Like, I think about interviewing Peter Bromka for the first time after his uh, near miss to get the OTQ at CIM. I had read Peter's work for a long time, but I never talked to Peter before. And now Peter is a very close friend of mine. And that's somebody who I run ideas by all the time. If you were to find Peter, just pick up his phone and look at all the times I call him or text him each week, right? I love talking to Peter, throwing ideas off of him. And it's made me better at my job. There's no question about it. But at the same time, it's also, you know, a very fulfilling relationship. And I just want to say, if you're going through building something, Connect with the people in the industry, not because you might get something tangible out of it. It's not a transactional relationship. It's a holistic relationship. It's a comprehensive relationship that will bear fruit, sure. But if you approach it in that holistic, comprehensive way, you're going to get so much more out of it in the long term. And hopefully, they will too. And hopefully, you'll be able to improve their life as well. And if you can have that kind of interaction with people in your industry, it's going to make your life so much better and your professional success so much better as well. And that was something that um, I, uh, I'm just so glad I, I I did that because I did not do that in other areas of my life. I remember when I was a college basketball coach, um, I heard all the time the importance of doing this and I didn't do it. And I look back on it now and I can't say I regret it because if I had done that, then I might not have ever done this. So I'm not going to sit there and regret it but i would like to think that i learned from my mistake and hopefully now i can continue down this path all right last point i will i will say there's a bonus point as well but point number 5 is making sure that you're trying interesting things that are a pivot from the core thing that you do okay so this is a big thing so you you always want to be trying New stuff. I shouldn't say always, not like every episode is something new, but you always want to be thinking about one, two, three, four-degree pivots from your core thing. Okay. New segments to do, new kinds of guests, new kinds of episodes or examples for me. Um, right? A new series, right? We started Road of the Trials it was a brand new series for me. I had seen it, you know, done in other sports. It's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did this for running? I had not typically talked to pros. But I felt like there was a, a, a chance where this could be really engaging for a lot of people to talk to pros that were at the highest level, but maybe people who weren't like completely all in the public eye all the time that people could learn more about over a sustained period of time. And, you know, there's other things that, that I've tried that sometimes they've worked and sometimes they haven't, right? Sometimes they don't work, but you learn from those. And it's Try new things because, you because again, you never know what's going to stick. But you don't want to try things that are too wild from what your core thing is, right? So I think this is a big thing is these small little pivots to see, to test the edges of what's possible and what people can learn from, okay? Or learn from what you can learn from your audience about what they might like. So for me, a good example that didn't work was I started as the show became more popular. um I became a little bit more well known. So I got to the point where if I asked a pro athlete to come on the podcast, a pro runner, that oftentimes I would get a yes. And that was re- super exciting. Right. I mean, it was kind of, I'm not going to lie. It was kind of an ego boost. Like, oh, you've heard of the show. Like, oh, you want to come on the show? Like, wow, this is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I, I know. I had no idea you even knew the show and so on and so forth. And having these people on was um, really exciting for me. I was fans of theirs. I was excited to have the conversation. I was excited that they even knew who the show was, right? All positives. I thought this was a, an absolute 100% home run. And then I looked at the metrics after the show. Wow, these episodes were getting more listens than, than my amateur episodes. Like, wow, maybe I should do this more often. And people may have heard me tell this story before, but ultimately, that whole situation was a red herring. It, I was completely off the scent. What was happening was, is that say I would have on a pro runner who was very popular. Instead of it bringing in more guests to the show to stay, it would just bring in, get, bring in listeners that loved that runner and then they would never come back to the show. So I was alienating my core audience that didn't come to my show for pro runners, right? That's why they go to the other shows. They, they come to my show to hear about inspiring amateur runners or to hear from coaches that can help them improve or other professionals who can help them become better runners, right? That's where my show fits in. So I had these pro runners on and all of a sudden I'm getting these good numbers, seeing these numbers spike, but then they started to dip. Why did that happen? Well, the people who came to listen to the pros were no longer around. And then some of the people who came to listen to the amateurs, maybe they stopped subscribing because they wasn't interviewing the amateurs as much. So It was not that great of a pivot, but luckily I learned from my mistake and you move on. And ultimately, I'm glad I gave it a try because it's important to try things, but it's also important to learn from those pivots. So you gain the knowledge from what worked and what didn't and you try to evaluate it in an unbiased way. And that's another in- big, big important thing. Another thing that didn't quite work that I thought was going to work really well was Fail Forward Friday. So we had a series where people would come on and they would talk about ways that they had failed in their life where at the mo- in the moment they thought, wow, this was, this was really tough and it was heartbreaking and it was really tough for me to deal with. But in retrospect, that failure catapulted me to new heights that I never would have imagined in that moment of failure. So I was so excited for this. And I, I started pitching it around. I actually started pitching it to some pros to say, hey, you know, their pros, their failures are often very public. So sometimes people may have known about their failures. And maybe they'd want to talk about it. And it would be an inspiring thing to us amateur runners who, when we see pros, we think, oh, man, these are people who, who you know, maybe they have small little things that happen that are that are, um, that are are wrong, but they don't fail on the, on the grand scale because, hey, look at them, they're pro runners, right? Like <laughs> things are working out pretty well for them. So I talked to some pros about coming on the show and doing it. And it was amazing. Every single pro I asked to come on to do it was absolutely all in because they don't get to talk about that stuff very often. Oftentimes they get asked the questions of like, hey, tell me what it was like when you succeeded or, hey, you just won a race. Let's talk about it. And those can be really fun conversations. And I listen to those conversations all the time on other shows, but they didn't have the fail conversations very often. I was like, this is great. All right, let's do it. So I do the shows and... As fun as they were to record, as much as the pros liked doing them, the listenership was okay. Not great, but not enough to make, to make a hard decision in terms of whether I wanted to do it or not. But what happened was, and became very clear that this was not sustainable, was that while pros were more than happy to talk about their failures, amateur runners weren't. They did not want to talk about it. So I kept putting out like, hey, if you, want to, if you want to be on Fail Forward Friday, let me know. We'll come on. We'll do 15 to 20 minutes. Be, this will be great. And pros were saying, yes, amateurs did not want to do it. So while there may have been an appetite to listen to those episodes, there was not an appetite to be part of them, which was not a sustainable business model for me. So ultimately, we sacked it. So again, you try something, you learn you pivot, you move on and hopefully that will spur you on to greater success in the long term even if your show takes a little bit of a hit in the short term. But by taking that long-term approach, hopefully it works for you. And I think that's a that's a big thing for me and something that I've tried to do and I think ultimately will help me succeed in the future. This is why the coach's corner episodes are are around and a big big staple of the show, right? The coach's corner episodes just like Fail Forward Friday was something that we created and thought, hey, maybe people will like this. And they absolutely did. They were a hit. People loved Coach's Corner episodes and they still do. And it's why that those episodes are not going away. I basically have to go out of my way to make sure that I don't do them too much. So I try to do them once every month or two just as a way of spacing things out because I don't want to be solely dependent on those episodes and all of a sudden make it be like, all right, we had enough of the Coach's Corner episodes, Matt. Let's move on to some of the other stuff. So those are my five pointers, tips, whatever thing, whatever. Five, five points for starting your own venture and enjoying the process and maybe, maybe making it something that's pretty big. And luckily, um, that's exactly what this turned out to be. Uh, I never would have guessed it in the beginning. But that's how it turned out. And I think these are some of the things ultimately, when I look back, that I would say, if I'm starting a new venture, I would use these principles to start that new venture. And there is going to be another one coming down the pike. Nothing soon, Nothing in the summer. Maybe in the after the summer, maybe after the summer. We'll see. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that. I know. I know it's coming. But ultimately, uh, I don't want to talk about that right now, but i'm just i'm I'm thinking about these things because, I'm resetting my brain in terms of all right. What are the things that I've learned from starting this business, and how can I approach? How can I take that, those points, and the failures and the successes, and apply it to a new venture? Because what's the point of learning all this stuff if we're not going to uh, if we're not going to use that wisdom, right? Uh, so the last thing, and this could have been the first point but I'm going to save it for the end because it's so sweet. We want to make sure that we go out on that high note is you have to enjoy what you're creating. You have to, because there are going to be many days when you just don't want to do it. And if you don't love it, if you don't have a passion for it, if it's not something that you truly enjoy doing and you're doing it for other reasons, and you think it might be a moneymaker, so you're getting started, or you're doing it for this reason, or that reason, or you're doing it because your mom said you should do it, or you're doing it because your grandma thought you'd be good at it, or who knows what your reason is. Ultimately, if you're not in love with it, and you're not a big fan of what you are doing, then you will not have the consistency that you need in order to be successful in the first place. Because there are many days when even now, I don't want to record an episode and it has absolutely nothing to do with the guest. It's just, I don't want to do it. I just, I'm over it. It's eight o'clock at night. I just don't want to do it. Or it's the middle of the day. I got stuff to do. I don't want to record an episode. And again, this has nothing to do with the guest I may be talking to that day. I'm lucky enough to talk to some amazing, amazing people. And luckily the guest carries the show. You guys don't listen to this, that randomly runner podcast to listen to me. Thankfully which maybe I shouldn't be doing a solo episode if that's the case, but uh, you listen to the guests and that's why I like doing it too. Uh, but ultimately, if you don't love doing it, then you're not going to be consistent. And if you're not going to be consistent, it's never going to be successful. Does that remind you of anything? Running perhaps, right? If we're not consistent with running, if we're never going to reach our potential, we're never even going to become close to our potential. We know that, which is why we need to keep doing it, which is why if you don't love running, go do something else, right? Go do OCR, go lift weights, go ride a bike, go swim, or do it seasonally. Say, hey, I run in the the fall and the spring, in the winter I ski, in the summer I swim. Great, do it up, man. Live your life. But ultimately, when it comes to these new ventures, make sure that you enjoy what you are doing, because if you don't, there was no point of starting it in the first place because you, again, will not do it when it gets tough, when it gets annoying, when it gets hard, because those days will come, I guarantee it. So make sure that you love it, because if you don't, you're wasting your time. So go find something you love, go do it consistently, go pivot, make sure you're expanding it, What can you do? Learn from the people in your space, connect with the people in your genre, and have a great time while you're doing it. Thank you so much for listening. Five great years of Rambling Runner podcast. Let's do five more, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song "Righteous Path," featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah